Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for you just being almighty, omnipotent, God, omnipresent, God. You're just so much to us. We just know that this is going to be a time of fun, a time of laughter, maybe even a time of tears. And God, we just know that we're going to bring glory to you by the questions and and the zeal that's going to be from our sister Chantel and also by the answers that you give me, oh God, and all the crew that's here as well, dream God, and and, uh, who who can forget our sister Lee? Um, We just really thank you so much that you've allowed all of us to be in this one spot. We could be doing anything, but we're doing something so we can literally get your message out. How much you've changed us, how much you've actually helped us to come to your word and be roped by your word to do your word. Mm. Help us to be doers of God. Help us to have an awesome time tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let no technical difficulties happen. Mm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. (laughs) It's the last part for me. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, welcome. Welcome, (laughs) you guys. (laughs) They got me in the spot. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited. Welcome to God, What the Heck? This is a podcast where we tell human stories about God's hand in our most difficult positions, in situations that we all go through in one way or another. And we want to know how God showed up and how he actually pursued us. I'm so excited. I have my friend Andre with us. He is absolutely amazing. And uh, thank you for joining us. Hey, I would not be anywhere else other than here. <laughs> this is amazing. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yes. Sure. So you guys are in for a treat. Andre is a, an amazing man of God. He is also a singer. Um, he is also one of the biggest personalities I know. He just lights up every room that he's in. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to hear his testimony because believe it or not, I have never heard his full testimony. So I'm excited because I'm going to be learning right here along with you guys. Um, but first, we're going to start out with a little game. I have oh, a couple man. questions for you. Oh, here we go. Um, we are going to play Would You Rather. So. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Okay, so would you rather be stuck on a deserted island by yourself mm-hmm. or stuck in a mansion with a hundred people you don't know? <laughs> You're by yourself. Something to think about. I know, right? Let's say, let's say for like two weeks. All right. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think I would be stuck in the mansion with 100 people I don't know. Really? Why? Um, <laughs> because I'm picking the deserted island personally. <laughs> uh, I thought about the deserted island. Yeah. But... I, I just love being spiritual. Oh, um, I, this is these are people that I don't know that I get an opportunity to actually find out personalities, and wow. you know, it gets to get to teach me um, different things about how to handle different people. You know, mm. patience, space, time, all these yeah. different stuff. And I think being with those hundred people that we can get ninety nine baptism. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, that's what y'all call um, answering it spiritually. Because me, <laughs> I was sitting there, and I was like, you know what? Being on that uh, deserted, deserted island. island. It was my first thought, <laughs> but I denied myself. My- Always deny yourself, okay, people? Always deny yourself. Because 
I was bigger than I. Amen. No, I I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so if you had a choice and to have a personal maid for the rest of your life or a personal chef for the rest of your life. Which one are you picking? Maid. A maid? Yeah, I can cook. Yeah. I don't need you to cook for me. <laughs> I'm thinking a maid too. I need you to cook nothing for me. <laughs> I actually can clean too, but I would rather someone clean than cook my food. I just I just got to be in the kitchen touching my own stuff. No, I love that. What's your favorite thing to cook? Mm, that's a good question. Because I see your Instagram stories. You can actually throw down. Yeah, they say I'm a grandma in the kitchen. Amen. Oh, okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, I think my favorite thing to cook is whatever makes anyone happy. Uh-huh. So I can like yeah. cook a variety of food. I love cooking seafood. Okay. I love, you know, soul food, yeah. oxtails and hot water cornbread. But if you're uh, eating. If I'm eating. If you're eating. If I'm eating it, I think my favorite thing to cook when I did used to eat it because praise God, I'm a vegan right now. Oh, then, come on, vegan. Uh, come on, vegan. I think it would be... Um, Probably salmon. <laughs> Probably salmon. Okay. Salmon and potatoes. Mm, I love salmon. I absolutely love salmon. I really love salmon. Um, I think Lee has something to tell us. What? Oh, I was gonna say I was still waiting for my oxtails. Whoa! Oh, dang! <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see that message. <laughs> ah, I was like, what's Lee trying to tell us? <laughs> yeah, I still can do it. I still can. I, I still can. I got to. Then repent. you can't taste it. I, I can't, but I still can cook because I know I know what to do. Yeah, I okay. Know what to do, so. Man, I can't. I got you, Lee. I can't cook any oxtails. Don't ask me. But I do love salmon. Pesto salmon is one of my favorite things to cook and to eat. So do you just love pesto? I do because <laughs> we just have pesto. I was pasta. like, it just came here. It's pesto, pesto. Okay. Sure, pesto. No, I love pesto, but uh, salmon is is fire. Um, okay, last thing. Um, so you have mm. an amazing voice. Mm. And um, I was wondering mm. if you <laughs> be so kind mm. as to, as to sing something for us before we jump into your your testimony. <laughs> Not the sleep. <laughs> he fell asleep on us. <laughs> oh, that's my go-to. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I, I used to sing this a lot um, growing up, and it's just something that I heard. I used to watch like a lot of gospel shows and stuff like that. And um, I grew up in church, but I really never sang in the front. I always really? sang tenor because I was afraid to like really get in the front and lead. Oh wow! Um, but I used to love like little hymns, and it was one. Um, uh, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, my Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells only so. Okay, no, I'm freaking out right now. No, I'm freaking out right now. Thank you so much for singing that. But I, when I was thinking about this interview and I was like, okay, I'm going to ask him to sing. And I almost asked you to sing that song. Oh. Like I was literally thinking about it. And I was like, I would love if he sang Jesus Loves Me. It just felt appropriate 
for this interview for what I was feeling at the time. And I was just like, I'm going to ask him to sing that. And then I was like, no, Chantel, you let him sing whatever he wants to sing. Jesus is on point. I can't believe you just sang that song. I'm <laughs> like, look at God That's my encouraging jam. me. You always heard that like mother in the background and she just sings something. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Oh yes. Yes. Oh yes. Ooh. And everybody just starts singing. I'm like, oh, I like this. That is this beautiful. Is nice. See that man, I I did not grow up in a church like that, oh, to God, be honest. Church, they did not shut up at all. Oh they're gonna sing. I'm like, oh, I'm just amazed. But I, that made that made me more afraid because everybody could do it. Yeah. So I was like, oh no. I'll just sing in the back real quick. So, I mean, this is has nothing to do with what you're talking about. But I want want to know, like, how did you then start singing? Because you obviously got over that. Like, you, I mean, you you sing in church now, Mm -hmm. but you have an amazing voice. And so... Thank you. I appreciate it. How'd you get there? So, I would say, um, just growing up, just being real intimidated by people who who I thought sounded better than me. Mm. So it put me in the box like, oh, no, I'm not singing because if I sing, then they going to sing and nobody going to really remember me if they sing. So wow. it's kind of a pride, too. And I was just like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. So um, one Sunday I was I was visiting one of my um, God Brothers church. Shout out to Amos. Amos Come is on, really Amos. the reason why I'm actually singing. But I was in the back and they were singing like he's able. Mm-hmm. And I was just. I was just back there just loud, you know, singing the tenor <laughs> part. But then I started, like, trying to, like, sing the lead. Yeah. And I went to the restroom, and I remember he was like, um, why don't you sing at church? And I was like, well, I, it threw me off because I didn't know nobody, like, kind of heard me. Yeah. So I was, he was like, why don't you sing at church? I was like, what do you mean, bro? Like, you know that I, I sing, like, tenor. So what are you talking about? Right. He's like, bro, like, it's really time for you to start leading. Because wow. the stuff that, that you do vocally, like, you can actually help somebody, like, to, to really be more comfortable with God. Yeah. And I was like, mm, yeah, that's all good, but hey, amen. So the next week he got me up there and I actually led uh, He's Able. And uh, then from then on, I started to like lead and then, you know, yeah. hence me being here now. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful when someone sees a gift in you mm. that you know that you have, but yeah. you're not stepping out on it and they're just like hey i see this in you but i believe in you enough Mm. and more importantly i believe in the gift that god has given you enough to encourage you to step out on it yeah that's amazing it's almost like even though we see if there's no action behind it yeah it's just like it's void so sometimes people can see us and be like wow you have so much and we'd be like what what are you talking about yeah yeah. You kind of know it, but it's like, what do you mean? Like, I got so much. And it wasn't until he actually called me out yeah. that I was actually able to step up and actually start to lead. So. We need that push. We, we need push that me. push. And for real. And the comparison. Like, <laughs> man, I can fall into that sometimes, too, where it's just like, uh, if, I, if I do that, like, it's yeah. not. Honestly, that is part of the reason why this podcast took me a little longer. Is because I haven't really interviewed people before. I've always been the one interviewing and being asked the questions. But I really wanted people to be able to tell their stories and to to give people a platform to tell their stories. But then I was like, uh, I don't know if this. I don't know if I'm the one to do it. You know, yeah. and it was it was Kristen. It was my sister who 
called Shout me one Chris. day. I know. Hey, come on, Kristen. And uh, she was like, I have something that I need to tell you. It's about your brand and you're going to be mad. And I was like, Ooh. what is it? <laughs> and she said, I think that God, what the heck needs to be its own brand. It needs to be its own platform. And you need to just go for it with mm. that. And I said, oh my gosh, because God had just told me the same thing the night before. And I was like, oh my gosh, she just confirmed it. But sometimes we need that push from yeah. someone who knows us, you know? That's true. So man, that's amazing. Shout out to Amos and Kristen. Shout Good job guys. Um, <laughs> so you grew up in the church. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Um, you grew up in Houston, correct? H-Town. H-Town. Okay. Okay. <laughs> tell me, tell me a little bit about that. How, how was it growing up? Well, where do I start? Um, <laughs> Houston is, you know, a beautiful place, um, a beautiful spot. Um, all my family grew up in Houston as well. Um, my grandmother and, um, her side of the family, actually, some of them actually grew up in the South South of Chicago. Oh, okay. So, um, my family is very, for lack of a better word, hood. Oh, come on. So growing up was really, really volatile. I would definitely say that my household was a household of um, of of deep poverty at one point in time. My mom um, finally got like this really good job and she was just like, you know, we're just never going back to, you know, where we were Um, at the time. Both of my aunts, my mom's two closest sisters, they were on um, crack cocaine. Wow. Um, So I would watch. I would watch my mom go and get them and, you know, um, just to be transparent, the smell of them was just really, you know, bad. And the look, it was really mm. bad as a kid. You would see that and then wake up the next morning and your mom's purse is gone. Wow. And then mom goes back and get them, wake up the next morning and then her keys is gone. And she just never gave up on them. And um, shout out to my, um, my aunt Cece, my aunt DC. They're like 20 plus years clean now. So. Oh, that's amazing. Um, but my mom yeah. took care of their kids. Both of them had four kids apiece. Wow. So, that, so you guys all lived together. Plus yeah. her three. And so it was all of us in like this three bedroom apartment. Gulf Coast Arms Apartments, never going to forget it. 6603 <laughs> Hirsch Road. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was all of us in that ap- apartment. And it was me who was, you know, young. I would say, you know, by the time I was like 10, 10 or 12-ish, they were like, you know, 18, 19. So it was like, wow. it was me and then it was them. It was no, you know, in between. So yeah. Um, you know, I would, I just grew up fighting, fighting a lot. My cousin and they were, like I said, they were real violent. So, you know, anytime they got into it with somebody, you would hear like, oh, my little cousin beat you up. Mm. And then that little cousin was me. (laughs) So I could just watch TV and get snatched out the house, like go beat him up. It was like, oh, dang, you know, get threatened to get locked out the house if I didn't win or, you know, you'll stay outside until mom gets home. Mom works three jobs. She's not coming home at 5 a.m. So. Somebody got to get beat up because I got to go to sleep. Wow. So I got to get in the house. So I can't stay out here. So it wasn't, did you feel like the protector of your family or was it more like I have to do this for me? Like, or was it a little both? Like when you were fighting, what was it for? Um, It was, I was fighting to not get fought. Wow. So it was like, I got to do this for me right now. Right. Like this has nothing to do. Right. When nobody else, I literally have to do this for me because if I don't do this, then they're going to do something to me. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't want that. Wow. So it's like, no, I got to go out here and I got to get it. I yeah. got to get it done, you know. 
neighborhood bullies. Um, we've, you know, ran in people's house, fought the families, dragged them out. Like we've done a lot of lot of stuff. And it was just like growing up like that was really bad. But my mom didn't want her kids, you know, to actually grow up like that. So when she's digging a little money, we got a house. Mm-hmm. Um, moved to another part of, of Houston, which was still in the hood, Rosewood, but we got like a two-story house and it was it was kind of good from there. Um, mm-hmm. I think the 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 thing that kind of molded me to be who I am now and to be the, you know, forgiving man that I am now is just a, a lot of, you know, trauma. Yeah. A lot of, you know, past hurt. Yeah. One of the things I notice about like the, the people around me, it's like the people who have... Um, had to go through the most can forgive the most. They're most mm. willing to forgive the most because they've had to. Yeah. And so, man, um, was was your dad around at all? Like, did, did was he going through all this at the time with you? Or mm. so funny enough. <laughs> story time. <laughs> Please um, do. <laughs> so growing up, yeah. my mom was with. Um, was with a man who at the time I've all I've only known. Yeah. Um, so at this time I thought that this man was actually my my real dad. Mm. Um, but when I was 16, I got a phone call and um, I answered the phone and they were like, hey, is may I speak to Andre Sloan? I was like, oh yeah, you know, this is me. You know, what's up? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, this is Ramonica Sloan. I'm like, okay. And your grandmother's name is Billy Sloan. And your father's name is Andre Sloan. And I said... My father? I said, hold up. And I'm I'm looking at my mom. And I'm like, hey. I'm like, ma. Yeah. Somebody on the phone talking about Sloan's, and that's my name. Like, And she just looks at me and she says, talk to him. And I said... Wow. What? So come to find out, my father actually went to prison for life when I was two one years old, maybe some months. Um, he was uh, a drug dealer, he a big time drug dealer in Houston. And um, some, the story that I know of is some Jamaicans came to try to take some territory mm-hmm. from him and he ended up killing them before they killed him. So him and my mom was like this, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, if you will. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that's how I literally, that's how I find. So my dad didn't go through any of this with me. So yeah. it was no, um, no, rooted man figure yeah you know in my life period yeah so okay how how did that feel when you found that out like were you you angry with him were you did you feel cheated um I think I went through a whirlwind of emotions Mm -hmm. but I think in that moment I wanted to know more yeah like curiosity yeah like like, who are they like, who are these people? You know what I mean? So they offered to come um, pick me up, like, the next week yeah. to go to their house. They stayed in, like, the the good part of, like, Houston. Yeah. And I talked to my mom about it, and Deb, she was like, yeah, you should go. Like, they're not, like, crazies or nothing like that. Like, yeah. I know them. Like, it's fine. Um, yeah. So I, I actually went, and I got I got to grow, like, this really close bond. I got to meet my grandmother, wow. you know, who was super awesome. I got to meet a side of my family that actually sings. Yeah. Cause my mom's side, I was like, don't none of them sing. So I was like, I know this is a gift from God for yeah. sure. And then I go over there and like they can actually like sing and like you know my cousin, I had cousins that was about around the same age and yeah. it was just like, whoa, this is awesome. So at that moment, I think it was just a feeling of like 
joyfulness. Yeah. But as years progress, I start to realize the deception. Wow. I start to realize, like, Ma, you actually kind of kept this away from me. I start to realize, like, mm. like Dad, like, y'all, y'all didn't think about telling me this, like, earlier. And I did yeah. go visit my father a couple of times. He's actually um, in prison, like, right outside of Houston. He got mm-hmm. transferred. But I visit him, like, a handful of times or whatever. And there's no bitterness, you know. Yeah. I love the dude yeah. um, just to see, like, you know, your father, the person who actually birthed you. Yeah. And, you know, he talks about God a lot. He's been a, a preacher in prison for about 10 years now. Wow. Yeah, he sent me, like, a video of him, like, preaching. It was super awesome to see. Um, definitely love him a lot. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Isn't it interesting, like, um, we didn't really grow up knowing our mom's side of the family. Um, and so the other day, maybe, like, eight months ago, we spent some time with her side of the family. Ironically mm. enough, they live in California. And so we kind of all came together and you're just sitting there, like looking them in the face. And like, <laughs> Whoa, like we all have the same smile. That's my and face. We, right, right, and you got my we face. laugh and that's where it comes from. And it's just like you, you find a part of yourself mm-hmm. that you didn't, that you always wondered about. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow. You are really my yeah. family. <laughs> um, it's no denying it. Not at all. Not at all. How do you feel like um, not having that male in the family um, or that male role model in your life? Did it affect you in any way? I think majorly it did. I think one in one point of my life, I actually like blamed my dad. I think it's so stereotypical. You know, we just really like blame the fathers, which I yeah. mean, amen. <laughs> but um, I think for me, um, after finding that out, yeah, I was I was really just hurt. I mm-hmm. was hurt because I started to look around, like joyful that I knew my family. Yeah. But hurt because I started to look around and I was like, wow. Like you look at TVs and you see these dads and they're mm-hmm. throwing the football with their kids or they're taking in the games and they got their caps and yeah. they, you know, get going to the ice cream truck. Like that's like fairy tale yeah. in our like yeah. community and neighborhood. So it's like I was really upset at the fact that like I didn't get to do any of that with any type of male yeah. in my family because my cousins were um, literally labeled habitual shooters in the in the court of law. Wow. Um, one of my cousins literally like shot uh, um, shot the guy who actually is on for the brink truck that has the money for the bank. One of my cousins is literally been in jail three times for fighting females and actually going back after she fights them and shoots them in the leg. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, like this is real stuff. Yeah. So it's just like, nobody was there to like, hey, you know, don't do this. Shout out to my cousin Eddie. He was probably like the only one. But at yeah. that time, you know, he wasn't even like just straight. Yeah. So I think in my mind, psychologically, if nobody was going to teach me how to be how to be a man, yeah, I was going to go and be with them. Mm. This is how I'm going to learn because I don't have any more options. I don't know any more options at this yeah. point. And then it's all around. Yeah. You know, everybody's yeah. like doing it. So I'm just like, you know what? Let me go do it. I'm going to go actually be with men and I'm going to do that to teach me how to be with men. Now, in that, did I learn stuff? Yeah, I did, yeah. but that don't mean that it was healthy for me to do because every time I learn something, I'm like, oh, maybe I can go learn something else. Wow. Maybe I can go, like, learn one more thing, but then I'm dragged into a homosexual lifestyle that I actually never really genuinely wanted. Wow. But it's what it is right now. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm committed to it right now. So yeah. you go back and you get a little more, you come back. 
until you you don't you're not going back and forth anymore. You're actually in it. You're in it. Like you're stuck in it. This is your everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, man, isn't it? The lifestyle is so it's it's trapping. It traps you. And I like how you said, you know, you're, first you're going in and out. And then you're making your trips are so frequent that you're just like, dang, I'm still here. I, I never went out. I just I just stayed here. And I I know we've talked about this yeah. before, but, you know, I was in that lifestyle for almost 10 years. And I know at the at the very beginning of it, I was just like, you know, oh, I'm just I just date girls. You know, I yeah. just date girls. It's cool. Um, but then that progressed to. I can't see myself dating a man mm. and that progressed to, I will never. Right. And, it, and, but then once I got there, I was like, how did I get here? I didn't start out that way. Like, creep on you for real. Yeah. And, and it's just like, I, I've never heard someone be so open about like, yeah, I, I didn't want that, but I started it. And then I just got stuck there. Right. You know? and, I, and I think it's, and, and, and just to, to clarify my spirit didn't want that. Mm. My flesh did. Mm. Mm. My That's flesh real. definitely wanted that. That's real. And it was, it's crazy because in, in my instance, it was like, yes, like I'm doing this. Yeah. But I've always had a dream of wife and kids. Mm. So my undertone is like, I'm doing this, but I'm not going to be here for forever. Right. Like there's no way possible. Right. Like I, I just can't do this forever. But for the time being, the yeah. flesh wants what the flesh wants. Right. And right now, the flesh is tearing the spirit up. It's not It's not winning. Yeah. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to feed my flesh. And we all know that sin definitely has never satisfied. Right. It has no ending. It has no stopping point. So this turns into this, turns into that, turns into that. And then, you, then that's when we end up like, whoa. Yeah. How do we actually like get to this point yeah. like right now? No, that's that's real. So I know you grew up in the church, but during that time, like, did did your family know? Like, did your friends, did your the religious side of your family know what what was going on and how did they respond to that? So I think the religious side of my family was actually my dad's side, my father's side, my mom's side. were like, yeah, we believe in Jesus. He cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're going to watch the game this Sunday. Right. Type thing. So, yeah, we love him. He got us off. We'll pray over dinner. Uh, we'll, That's yeah, it. We'll do that. Yeah. Um, but my, my, um, the, the side of my family, my, my dad's side of the family, um, two of my cousins actually, you know, um, sexually abused me. Wow. So it was like, now I'm opening a portal to go over here to this family. Like, wow, this is amazing. And then that happened. Mm. But I came from already on this side of the family, one of my older, older cousins abusing me as well. So it's just like, now what? And it's crazy how trauma and abuse can send you to the very thing that you should run from. Right. Like that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, that, that just breaks my heart to hear that because you hear, you just hear stories of children being victimized so early on. And it's like you're exposed to things that you shouldn't even know exist. Yeah. And then you're literally living that out as you get older and you don't know why. And it's like, ah, I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, Man. it's tough. It was tough. I think that was one of my biggest, 
one of my biggest things to, to feel like, because you watch stuff like that on movies. Yeah. You know, they see that happen on movies and it's already heart wrenching in a movie. Yeah. But to be in it, it's almost like you're in a movie. Yeah. It's like you know what's going Like, the silence is so deafening. Wow. It's like it's 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 so cold. It's so like it's it's realistic. It's real life, and then you then you wake up from this numbness, and it's like, whoa, that just happened to me. Wow. The very thing that you thought that couldn't happen to you in your own home, it happened to you. So, yeah, that really that really changed a lot of stuff. That changed a lot of stuff for me. Period. Yeah, a lot of safety issues that really changed a lot. Did you tell anyone? Um, for my older cousin, no. Um, but for my other two cousins, I kind of vaguely said it to like friends and it's crazy too, because <laughs> trauma will silence you Yeah, and yeah. it will keep you silent for a long time Yeah, until actually that stuff has to like come out. When and how did that come out? Do you think it was, it was running to, to men or was it other ways? I think that's a, that's a, that's a. That's a good statement. I think that it, that is how it came out. It came out in a form of darkness. Yeah. It didn't come out in a form of light at that moment. I think it came out in like, hey, this happened to me in secrecy, so I'm going to start doing other things in secrecy. Yeah. So, you know, I just started to really numb myself out by actually, you know, sleeping and engaging, you know, with different men. Yeah. And it was, it was... It's crazy because when you do stuff like that, you know what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. Like, you don't feel good after you do it. You know, you don't feel, you know, this joy like, whoa, you know, I got, I did that. Like, no, it's like, (laughs) wow, like you really just did that. Yeah. But then that becomes the, that becomes the cycle. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wow, I'm still really doing this? And then a year passes, like, oh, whoa, I'm still really, yeah, like, when is it going to stop? Yeah. So- so what did what did wake you up? What did finally be like, oh my gosh, I gotta change? I think for me, the most traumatic thing that, that ever happened to me in my life in 2016, I was diagnosed with HIV. Wow. I think when when that happened, because um, my, my body started to feel different at, at one point. Um, and I was just like, Ma, like, I just really gotta go to the doctor. I don't know. My mom's my best friend too, so shout out to Gwen. Come on, Gwen. Um, But I was like, my my body just doesn't feel right. I think it's something's wrong. I just gotta go. And in the back of my mind, it was a very you know you gotta read the letters when you take your eye exam. Yeah. It was like the small letters. Yeah. And I knew what it was, and I was like, no, that Mm -hmm. that's just not. It just can't be not me. No, of course not. No, not at all. There's no way. So I went to the doctor and. you know, they, they did the blood test right then and there because I wanted rapid results. And the doctors reading, I mean, I got I actually got a poem on my album that actually like talks about my whole life in the countdown. And it was crazy because I'm in a doctor's office and he's reading his stuff off. And he's just like, you know, you know, this disease, no, this disease, no. And I'm just like, I'm just not hearing what I need to hear. Like you're just not there yet. Yeah. And then start getting to like the serious ones. Like, no, no, I'm like, my mom's just like, okay, it's clean. I'm like, no, 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 I just haven't heard it. And it gets to the last one, and he says, HIV positive. Wow. And I stand up, and my, and the doctor's like about to try to grab him. My mom was like, no, just don't, don't touch him. 
Yeah. Like, no. Because mind you, I got a really bad background. So I'm like, yeah. literally, my, my mindset just, is just to tear the whole place up at this moment because I don't know what's going to happen. Right. And I walk out and I get in the car and I could just see my mom. My mom's not a crier. She doesn't do all that. Like, she raised five boys. She raised boys, period. So it's just like, she doesn't do that. But I see her come to the car and her face is just distraught. Yeah. And she gets in the car and I could have swore the airbags were broke because how I was like manhandling and hitting and, and beating this car. And I'm, I'm crying to the top of my lungs. My mom's crying. It's going to be better. It's going to be okay. I'm like, no, I'm going to die. How can I do this? Suicidal thoughts, like stuff that I never, ever, ever like just, just imagined happening to me, like happened to me in that one spot. I'm such a clean man. I'm such, you know, an upright guy. Like in Houston, I'm very known. So like, what's going to happen? Am I going to get the wife and kids anymore? Like, are my kids going to be healthy? Like, who's going to want these damaged goods? Like, what's what's going to happen with my life? All this stuff starts to happen. I'm just like, yeah, I, I can't do this. Like, yeah. I can't continue to do this. And even after that, protected, I still end up having sex. I still end up falling into sin. I still end up doing these things. I'm just like, what is going on? Like, why can't you stop? Yeah. So yeah, I think that that was the waking up point. For me, I, I did slow down, but I didn't stop. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a, that's something that people need to get. Like, they think because they slow down from doing certain sins that it's okay. Right. Like, no. You, you, I'm better than I used to be. Yeah. And it's just like, and that's like, not repentance. No. That's like a, a waiting game to like yeah. death. Yeah. Wow, I'm like shaking on the inside. I can't even imagine how you felt when you went through that. And, and thank you for sharing that. Like, but that is, wow, that's just life-changing. So you go home from the hospital, you're, you're going through all these emotions, and then you don't stop. What was the turning point? Because you're not living in that lifestyle anymore. Um, what was the turning point? What changed? Was two turning points. Okay. The first turning point was um, I got hired at um, one of the mega churches in Houston, Hope Church in Pearland. And okay. I got hired to um, sing praise and worship. Okay. And that was my first time actually getting paid to sing. Yeah. Mind you, I come from the back. Yeah. So doing this was like, whoa. whoa. So it's a um, it's a praise team of seven, and okay. we all we all get a you know a nice check. Yeah. Um. I move out. I'm I'm like doing a little better. You know. Yeah. I'm still a little. You know, sending a little bit, but not as much. I'm better. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I just thought at that moment that like singing to God, like this is what it is. Like this is what it is. I you know start to write music about my life, which were poems at first, and then my you know band kind of changed into an album, but. I think the first turning point was that, was actually singing at church, like in a leadership capacity. Yeah. So, so question though, you said you're getting paid to sing at church. Mm -hmm. It's a mega church in Houston. Mm -hmm. You're very well known in the gospel scene mm -hmm. in Houston and you're still living this lifestyle while you're singing in church every, every Sunday. Was there anyone in your life that was just like Andre, like to call you to to the Bible or to tell you what the Bible said or or to to be there for you, to ask you, like, was there anyone in your life? Yes, okay. it was. But before that, 
I, I started to make conscious decisions because one question I always ask myself is I know the Bible says that Christians are set apart. Uh-huh. And I always ask myself, what sets me apart? Mm-hmm. Like if, if I claim to be a Christian mm-hmm. and the Christian is set apart from the world, yeah. what sets me apart? And mm-hmm. I could never answer that question. Wow. I was smoking with leaders. Yep. I with was leaders in the church. In the church. Smoking with leaders in the church. After church, we're going to go get drinks, mimosas. Um, during the weekend, you know the Houston scene is really big on music. So clubs yeah. and drinks and bars, still sexual sin yeah. at some point. Um, you know, uh, in church, you know, gossiping and all these type of things. And I'm just like, I'm trying to be the good person, but I'm real in. But I'm like, am I really real in or am I already in? I'm trying to say I'm real in, but I'm yeah. actually in. Yeah. And like, nothing nothing was really changing to the magnitude of helping me to fully change. Right. So the person that I did have in my life, shout out to Chanel OG. Come on, Chanel. <laughs> it's my best friend. If you guys don't know Chanel OG, please get Which to know Chanel OG. It's crazy because me and Lee originally met Chanel before she was a Christian mm-hmm. and ended up studying the Bible with Chanel. And so this is crazy because I've known Chanel for a long time, mm-hmm. but then I didn't know you. And so this is like full circle. Yeah. Like I had seen you in the Houston. Yeah, Chanel bit, came through. Yeah. Um, I used to, um, while I was hired at the church, I used to, at nighttime, I was the general manager of um, a cafe. Um, um, Cafeza is what it was called yeah, in yeah. Houston. And it was a spot, you know, Grammy Award winning pianist and all these different artists would come and, and I would sing too. I was a uh, part of a nonprofit at that time. I would sing and um, I would sing the songs that I write for God. And then I would also sing R and B. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm giving them best of both worlds. <laughs> and um, Chanel would actually come because my R and B wasn't like raunchy. Like I wasn't singing like R Kelly or anything yeah. like that. Like you know, I was backyard music. You know, you know, Frankie Beverly Mays. You know. <laughs> Not nothing too, not no kills, you know, not nothing too crazy. But uh, I would sing my gospel music and then, and they would come and they would actually support. Um, And I was really grateful for that. And then Chanel came to me one day and she was like, hey, you know, like, would you ever be interested in like studying the Bible? And she was like, I got some brothers that are like, that are really, you know, be interested in studying the Bible with you. And, and me, I know Chanel, like, girl, you don't got no brothers. Right. You got a sister. <laughs> like, you don't got, you don't got no brothers. So what you talking about? Right. She was like, yeah, the, the brothers at, at my church. And in, in my mind, I'm like, well, if I call myself a Christian, like it's a Bible study, like why not? Yeah. You know, jump into the Bible study. Yeah. Did not know what I was <laughs> Did not know what I was getting into. Did not. And it started off rocky. It started yeah. off at first. Um, shout out to Jason Woody and Eugene Wright. Those are my oh, wow. close brothers. Come on. But it started off real rocky. I remember the first thing I went to was online. So you got Jason like yelling at the screen. He's preaching. I'm just like, oh, no. I'm not, not used to that. So I'm like, oh, no, I don't like this. Then Eugene, like he was like calm in one of the states. I'm like, oh, he's boring. I don't feel like I don't feel like doing this. Eugene, and they know all this stuff. I'm not talking. They know all this stuff. This was my honest truth. They know this. Um, but then it was something that really clicked, and it was like, okay, you say you're a Christian, and somebody is actually trying to like 
teach you something because because I love being a student. Mm. I love learning. Yeah. And someone's trying to teach you something. Like, why do you feel like it's so much pushback mm. when somebody's actually teaching you something? My pastor never gave me his notes. Wow. My pastor never said like, hey, how you living? Yeah. Like they just cared that I actually sang and I brought more people. Right. Nobody cared that I was like dying. You wow. know, I look at the church in my old eyes as a hospital and a gas station. Why? Because Monday through what, Saturday, yeah. I'm on a battlefield. Satan's slicing me up. He's doing all this stuff. Yeah. So I come to church to get my bandages and my stitching and all this great stuff. Wow. And then also I get my fuel to yeah. actually go out and do it again. Right. But imagine coming to a hospital and every time you get new wounds, nobody assists you. Wow. Nobody helps you. Right. So I'm dragging myself to church at this point. And not even nobody helps you, but they expect you to then feed them, you to heal them, you to pour into them. Why? Not because you have more than they are, but because you're talented. And that's the problem with talent is the biggest hider of pain. Mm. It's the biggest bandage. And so people get so engrossed with your talent that they're just like, oh, well, well, you're good then because yeah, you can stand fine. up on this on this stage and sing. Yeah, of course. Of course, you're spiritual. Of course, you love God. Of course, you don't need me. And dying and dying, literally dying. Wow. So I, I put it in my head. I was like, you know what? I believe that Eugene and Jason are really trying to tell me something. My ears aren't just trying to hear it because I'm not used to hearing truth. I'm used to hearing what makes me feel good. Yeah. I'm not used to, my spiritual ears wasn't gauged to what they were saying because it wasn't what I was used to. Mm. So I came up with, I'm pretty sure it was a slogan out there, but I always tell my friends I made it up. And it was like, no, you didn't know. <laughs> but I always say, in order to see a difference, you have to do something different. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Like if I wasn't studying the Bible before, cause I mean, you read it, you know, you read the yeah. Bible. It's like, Oh, this is awesome. This is a great story. Yeah. Um, but I, I really wanted to do something different. So I say, you know what? I came to a Bible study and I said, if it's in the word of God and it's in context, cause you, I'm, I'm a scholar student. Yeah. You're not yeah. finna just teach you know anything. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I just, you know, I just can't. <laughs> I mean, Satan knew scripture right. out of context. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, so for somebody here. who don't know, you could like really fall into it. Right. So I was like, you know what? If it's if it's in context um, and the word says I'm a flat out do it mm. and I go back. And That's I, a big promise. right? Yeah, it was. That's and I didn't know commitment. what I was saying. I don't, I don't, I don't you commit to it and then you find I'm out like, what it says. Whoa, I got to do that. <laughs> so I literally um, started to study the Bible with um, Eugene, um, Arthur, um, Jason, Woody, and I started to study the Bible. And it was just, it was just something that I've never, ever experienced. And I was so mad because mm. I was like, this is like elementary yeah. teachings yeah. that I had never not only seen, wow. but done. Done. Because... Wow. People, and they need to get this, to all the people out there that believe the Bible is not a book just to be read front to back. Anyone can do that. Jesus did not die for you to read a book front to back. Mm. He died so that each person that reads that book actually gets to work to doing what the book calls them to do. Mm. It's, It's a book to be done. Yeah. And the reason why Christianity, true Christianity, 
is so looked down upon is because people don't want to do anything. Mm. They want to feel something. Oh, that is so true. And that was me. I wanted to feel this. I'm doing it. But when I studied the Bible, all I felt was like, whoa. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm, I can't. I'm not doing that. And they had yeah. to ask me. And I was super proud of doing my Bible wow. studies. It's like, oh, yeah, I know what that means. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Please, Christian disciple. Yeah, I know it. And I think I forgot who did it, but they closed the Bible and they said, if you know it, teach me how to be a Christian. Oh, they called you out. I actually do it. I actually do that now. Like yeah. for people who I know for a fact are kind of having a hard time with just really submitting to the Bible. Yeah. Uh, we all have a little bit of pride. Uh, I close the Bible and I said, if you've been really doing this, yeah. don't agree with everything that I'm saying. Teach me how to be a biblical Christian. And please don't go to John 316 and Romans 10 9. Wow. Because because you know con- that's where they're they're gonna out of go. context. Right, right. So, out, of, out of context and even if that was, that's off jump. What's the life look what, like? What does it look What's like? What's the life look like? <laughs> so teach me. Yeah. And I couldn't teach them. I literally gave the Bible back and I said, okay, there's the pride. It's gone. I'm down. <laughs> teach me all you need to teach me. And wow. we studied the Bible. And I'm still in that. Yeah. I'm still in that. <laughs> November 1st, 2020, I really truly became a baptized, sold out disciple of Jesus wow. Christ. Wow. That is, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. One of the things that I hear a lot, um, specifically from the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. but not just from people in that lifestyle, mm-hmm. all, all lifestyles, is I feel judged. Is when they're calling me to certain things, when they're calling me um, to change, I feel judged. And so... Did you feel judged and did they call you to give up that lifestyle? So I had already been like working on giving it up because I was like, I just know this ain't it. <laughs> um, but I did. I did feel I did feel judged. Yeah. And it was because of John 12, 48. Mm, wow. What's yeah. going to judge you? Yeah. The actual word of God. So yeah. what they're teaching you is the word of God. And that's why you feel like that. Yeah. I always tell, you know, people who live a homosexual lifestyle or are in the homosexual lifestyle and they always have this bad negative energy towards God mm-hmm. because, you know, how is this when he loved everybody and all this like, and I just tell people all the time, it's not your specific sin. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's sin. Period. Period. It, it is what it is. Yeah. He does love everybody. The, the Bible yeah. clearly says that. Yeah. But the Bible is also clear on who he actually seeks. Right. So we got to understand, like, it's not just your pinpoint. Right. It's actual sin. Sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Sin separates us from God. And if we know from biblical standpoint that God created man and woman, mm-hmm. To be together, to actually be fruitful and multiply the way he said to do it. You can't just take a scripture that said Jesus love and not take the other parts of the scripture. Right. Right. That's hypocritical. Yeah. So it's nothing against you. It's against your sin. Period. And the problem is, I think that so many people, they look at the modern day church and they look at Christianity and there's a problem because I have been in so many churches and they don't teach discipleship. 
They don't teach. Mm -hmm. You actually have to obey and follow. And so, you know, Sally and John can be sitting in the Mm -hmm. pews every Sunday in an impure and immoral relationship. And it's okay because they're straight and they're going to, they can eventually get married. And so Mm -hmm. it's okay in the church's eyes. Uh, You know, it's all right. But then if you're in a homosexual relationship, oh, you got to repent. Mm-hmm. And what the Bible says is, no, we all have to repent. Yeah. We we all need to turn away from whatever sin we're that in. That's true. And so I love how you just said, it's not your sin, it's sin, period. And it's defining love as God defined it and not as we choose to define it or we want to define it. That is 100% true. Yeah. And I just wish, not wish, I just know that if more people in the homosexual community could actually study the Bible because what actually helps you change is accountability. Yeah. The reason why I was continue to live like that, even if I was hot or mild, which means like I was really doing it. I was like taking a little break or I was really coming is because now I have men in my life. Yeah. That's actually going to call me to the standard. Wow. Now I know what it means to be biblically open yeah. about stuff. Yeah. Now I know how to actually scheme and actually be shrewd as a snake and innocent as a dove. Mm-hmm. Now I know these mm-hmm. things. So now, like, I don't even think about being with, like, men. Like, yeah. that's not even on my plate. Yeah. Like, that's not, I haven't had, you know, sexual relations with a man over, I don't know, how many years now. Yeah. And it's not because yeah. it's just like, oh, a genie came. Like, no, it's because I put the Bible into practice. We test everything else. <laughs> right. A diet, you a workout test plan, everything else. a relationship. <laughs> and, and it's crazy because the world is so not committed. Yeah. Like, the, uh, over a 60% divorce rate. Yeah. Nobody's committed at this nobody. point. Everybody's mm-hmm. getting married to break up. <laughs> like, nobody's committed. We don't, even, yeah. we don't even keep the same phone plan. You with Verizon, they get too high, you switch to T-Mobile. <laughs> Like, nobody's committed to nothing. And that's the problem. Commitment takes sacrifice. It's hard work. Yeah. But if you're not used to working hard because you have a doctrine that's been preached to you that everything is easy, then when you actually do get challenged to work hard, that's not the right doctrine. Right. Whoa. And now you want me to work for my salvation. No, 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 no. (laughs) No. I just want you to be loyal. And it's not even me. It's God. (laughs) That's it. That is it. And it's just like... You claim that you're with Jesus, but how did he come as a servant? He didn't come on a throne and 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 with all these, you know, golds and silvers and a crown. No, 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 no. He came as a servant to show us how we actually are supposed to live. It was uncomfortable. Wow. He came uncomfortable and you claim to, to follow him, but you're not uncomfortable. Ooh, ooh. That is so good. That's not that biblical. So good. You, that's not, you can't do that. Like I'm, if I'm chilling in my faith, then it's not biblical. It's faith. not biblical at all. <laughs> Period. So like, what I are we actually it. doing? I just want us to really, yeah. I just really just put this to everybody. Like really study the Bible. Yeah. Like get with a disciple. No, literally. It literally is the best thing ever <laughs> in life. It's challenging. <laughs> it's tough. But at Back. least you're doing it with other people. Yeah. The correct way. Yeah. And that was my next question is like, what does your life look like now? How has that been different from like, cause you were in the church already mm-hmm. well, in church. Mm-hmm. So, but now you're going to church and, and you spoke mm-hmm. about that accountability. Like what is your, what does your life look like different? 
it looks more disciplined. Yeah. You know, it looks more righteous. Am I perfect? Definitely not. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all going to fall short. Absolutely. Of course. But um, I have a heart for God. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a heart to actually want to get up and fight. Yeah. You know, I have a heart to wow. to know that where I used to be, it 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 didn't bear the fruit that the Bible says that I should bear with Christ. Mm. What it gave me was the wages of sin is death. Wow. <laughs> and it almost took me out. Yeah. I think that's that's worth repeating the fact that like I thought I was with Christ. I said I was with Christ. But the Bible says that if I am with Christ, then I should be bearing a certain fruit. There you go. And my life was not bearing that type of fruit. And so there was something off. Yeah. And I think it takes a a big person and really being humbled to look in the mirror and be that accountable. Yeah. To to look in the mirror and be that honest with yourself. Yeah. I mean, like, you know what? I say this, but but this fruit isn't lining up with, with the tree that I'm saying. Right. You know, it's not, it's Man, not. And, and we know that, you know, trees produce what, what they produce. Oranges, oranges, apples, <laughs> apples. And now that I'm a disciple, disciples, my life look like in Bible studies. Wow. My life looks like really trying to help and not, you know, something because I got to do it. No, I get, mm. I get to actually teach someone the Bible because someone yeah. taught it to me. Yeah. I get to actually see people's lives unfold through scripture. I get to actually hear their deepest, darkest thing and say mine and be like, they're like, oh, I'm not that bad. Oh, we're all bad. <laughs> we're, it's okay. Well, that's why we it's need fun. Jesus. That's why we need him. Because yeah. we're all bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my life looks like living like a disciple. And it's it's tough. It's challenging sometimes. Be honest, sometimes you don't want to wake up and do it, but mm-hmm. you just gotta deny yourself. That's one of the first things that Jesus gave his disciples as an actual like lifestyle. Yeah. It's a lifestyle of denial. Look wow. nine, it's a lifestyle of self-denial. Yeah. So you have a favorite scripture that has really gotten you through. You probably have a couple. Um, what What is it? What is something that you go to often and it really helps you through this time? I think I would have to say Philippians 4, 6, NLT version. Mm. It says, don't worry about nothing. <laughs> Instead, pray about everything. Mm. Um, thank God for all he has done. And um, don't worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Thank God for all he has done. And um, I just... The peace of God that transcends all understanding. Yeah, that's 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 that. In Christ Mm -hmm. Jesus. But that's the NIV version. I don't know how different the NLT version is. But just that first part. Yeah. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Mm. And and that really helped me to understand, like, if I prayed as much as I worried, how great of my communication would be with God. Wow. And relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank God for all he has done. And, um... I just keep blanking out on the last part. It's crazy. I got the scripture everywhere. Um, Yeah. (laughs) We can look it up. NLT. NLT version. (laughs) NLT version. It is awesome. And I just tell people all the time, like, if you are worrying, just pray. Mm -hmm. That actually, and I did these in in order, uh, Mm -hmm. what the scripture says in order. And I did it before I became a disciple. And I just saw so much positivity from it. Okay, it's Philippians 4, 6 in the NLT version. Mm -hmm. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Yeah, in that order. And then verse seven, it says, then you will experience God's peace, which Mm -hmm. exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Mm. That is beautiful. Don't worry. Pray. Thank him for what you need. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa. And that's, that's the recipe for peace. And it says in every situation. So this is like mm-hmm. the hack for life. <laughs> Literally, like the life Any hack. Situation. situation. He's giving you what to do, people. Period. And if you don't feel peace, then it's because you're not doing this. This first half ain't done. <laughs> this first half is not done. Oh man, I love but that. Yeah, I love I love that passage. That passage has been a passage that one that was one of the first passages I put into practice. Yeah. You know, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So yeah. that's what I did. You know, don't worry. Start praying. God, I need this. Thank you for everything you've done. Okay, yeah. cool. Let's let's keep doing it. And yeah. and the the things that I got to see in my life, it, it was just, it was outstanding. And I was like, wow. I'm sticking to the scripture. That actually helped me to understand. It made the Bible studies more clear when it says I had to do the word because I had practiced that scripture. Mm. So then when I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It works. That's, it works. It's true. So what else I got to do at this point? Yeah. Like, what, what other scriptures are <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. I have two more questions. Let's do it. Um, okay. So going forward, I know you said you wanted a wife you wanted kids um and you also was like would anybody want somebody with a past like mine would anybody and i and i've struggled with that too Mm -hmm. like would anybody be able to handle my testimony yeah how do you feel about that now do you do you have hope for that is that something you still desire yeah i'm super confident now i think um the mindset of the kingdom is totally different from the mindset of the world Yep. Totally. And um, the kingdom is literally um, rooted in biblical principles. So I don't care how you look. Mm. I've learned this in the kingdom. The women in the kingdom don't care how you look. Mm. It's actually about spirituality. Mm, yeah. I mean, of course, it's a piece of attraction there, of course. Yeah. But yeah. it's about how spiritual you actually are. Because if the women can't be led, then you mm-hmm. just... It's just not going to, it's not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work at all. So when I came to the kingdom, I was like, nobody cares about my past. I died to that. Actually, that's what baptism is. Mm. I just actually literally participate in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah. So what Andre are you talking about? Because that's not, he doesn't even exist. Exactly. So that's not even me. Yeah. So it's just like, now I definitely have, have full hope. You know, I'm, I'm in a place where. I'm super healthy. I mean, when I did get diagnosed, they called it like a 30 day period. It was like right in between. So I don't take a massive amount of medicines. You know, I'm considered for those who aren't educated, um, undetectable, which means if I was to go out and have, you know, sexual relations, nobody would get it because I'm, I'm at a healthy state. Yeah. So my kids wouldn't get it. You know, the stuff that I was actually worried about, like God actually worked it out. Come on, God. So I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful. There's definitely hope there. Um, so preferably, Preferably, that would definitely happen in the future. Okay. I love it. I love it. And last thing, like, if you, if anybody was going to take anything away from your testimony um, and this conversation that we've had, what would you want it to be? Mm, it's been a good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I've I loved it, man. You, you're amazing. Good conversation. <laughs> um, what would I want it to be? God can change anyone through scripture. Wow. Yeah. 
God can change anyone through the application of scripture. Hmm. I say that. Yeah. And I, I think you, you said it sounds cliche, but people say God can change anyone, but they do not say God can change anyone through scripture or through the application of scripture. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the thing because God can change anyone, yeah. but he gives us the free will mm-hmm. to obey or not. And yeah. so he needs our participation in yeah. it or else we're just robots and that's not loving of him. That is true. You know? And so I don't think that's cliche at all. No, God can change anyone through the application of scripture. Anybody. If we use our free will to apply the scripture that he gave us. It can happen. Then God can change us. You get a change. You get a change. You get a change. You get a change. You get a new life. You get a new life. You get a new life. Oh my gosh, I love this. Um, Andre, you are amazing. And you are a miracle. And you're you're just, I, I just thank you so much. I have so much respect for you. Um, and I'm just grateful, man. I'm man, just grateful. This is so awesome. I can't wait to hear you sing tomorrow. Let's, we got an open mic tomorrow. <laughs> let's do it. Oh, man. No, thank you so much. And thank you guys so much for watching. Um, we are going to continue just bringing bring in stories of, of human stories of God's hand in, in our toughest situations. Um, you can follow Andre at... Andre J. Sloan on Instagram or Andre Sloan on Facebook. Let's go. Also go download his music. It is, you will not regret it. It is amazing. And uh, yeah, all the, all the other information is in the caption description below. And yeah, I'll see you next time. (laughs) Thanks for watching. Bye guys.